0: what up world it's your past first point guard and blazer beat writer mike Richmond. you're listening to another episode of lockdown blazers part of the lockdown podcast network available wherever you get podcasts today's episode is all about trades i'm gonna count down the trade value for every player on the blazers roster that sounds like i'm ripping off something from bill simmons well it's because i am simmons doesn't write anymore but back when he did he would do these massive trade Value columns where he'd rank the top 55 or 75 players in the NBA and count down in descending order from the least valuable to the most valuable trade chip in the league. It was kind of his way of doing a massive player power ranking type thing. And I want to take that concept, Simmons, who does it right, and I don't listen to his podcast, so maybe he still does this in audio form and I just don't know about it. But I want to take his concept and apply it to the Blazers roster. We're going to go from descending order, every player on the roster, least tradable to most tradable, who would be valuable, hypothetically, if they were put on the market. We're going to run through them all in three segments. Let's start at the bottom. The first tier is the legally cannot be traded tier, occupied by one man. Carmelo Anthony, who signed a contract on November 17th and, according to the NBA's collective bargaining agreement, legally cannot be traded this season because he had to spend three months on the team. Which means he won't legally be able to be traded until after the trade deadline. So, Carmelo's here, giving him no actual trade value. I think there's some irony there because Carmelo has kind of played his way into being not a valuable trade trip by any means, but he he can do stuff. I I feel like a a, a team, maybe a contending type team, given the situation, might be interested in Carmelo Anthony, but he'll have to find that out in July. So Melo stands alone in his own tier, but let's keep it moving. The next tier is salary filler, or guys that are just hard to trade on their own. The first one, Moses Brown. A twenty-year-old who's looked lost on an NBA court. He's seven foot one and kind of shaped like an NBA player, but boy, howdy, is he slow! Uh, two-way players can be traded, but they're mostly just uh, they since they don't count against team salary cap. They don't offer the same sort of. Um, financial relief that trading other players might to teams that are interested, but they can be uh grouped together in trades. If you need to make moves, the next one, not as a prize, Jalen Horde. Uh, he hasn't had as many low lights as Moses Brown, but there aren't a lot of moments where you've said, Oh yeah, I think Jalen Horde could be an NBA player. He's a young guy on a two-way player, a two-way contract. He would be a sophomore at Wake Forest if he'd gone back to school. He's also, like Moses Brown, shaped like an NBA player. Has an NBA frame, and uh, from the Blazers say he's in way better shape now than he was in July when he showed up in, for Summer League, but still not a lot of trade value. He's the 14th most valuable trade chip on the Blazers' roster, according to my numbers. The next one as we count down Anthony Tolliver, a 34 year old on a minimum contract. Hard to trade Tolliver for something that isn't basically identical. Uh, Another veteran on a minimum contract. He hasn't really worked out for the Blazers. Uh, The shooting stroke that, at least I thought he would bring, hasn't really materialized, and he's been asked to play out of position a lot at center. That's not what he is. He should be a spot-minute power forward. Instead, he is now just the straight-up backup center on this team. Uh, Not ideal, also not really tradable. Next one on this list, Mario Azonia, similar to Anthony Tolliver. he's younger, so in theory, I guess a team might take a flyer on him, but he's a minimum guy. It's hard to trade minimum contracts in a league, and in addition to minimum contracts being hard to trade, not very good players are hard to trade too. It'd be hard to trade Azonia for anything that doesn't look a lot like Mario Azonia that makes him have pretty limited value on the trade market. And the last player in this tier that's salary filler and sort of hard to trade on their own is Scalabissier. Labissier is a backup center with touch who just hasn't quite put it together. He struggles on defense he's not a physical rebounder uh the blazers have tried to play him at four a little bit he's not really a four uh right now he's dealing with a knee injury making him even less less valuable on the trade market but even assuming that he was full fully healthy he would still be in this tier He's the reason why he's the top of this tier he's 11th and not 15th one he's better than probably everyone else in this group just basketball wise, and also he'll be a restricted free agent this summer. So there is maybe he has more value intrinsically than the other guys, because if a team was interested in him, they could acquire him and he would enter restricted free agency, giving them an opportunity to match any offer he were to receive on the open market. So he is more valuable than the other guys. And yet he's still 11th most valuable trade chip on the Blazers roster. The next tier we're getting to is tradable youth with somewhat limited appeal. These aren't the sexiest titles, but uh, it's what I got. Number 10, the Blazers trade value list, Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. makes about 40% of his three-pointers. Also makes about 40% of his two-pointers. Guy, He can shoot. Um, he doesn't have a ton of moves to get himself free, a lot of weird step-backs when he gets inside the three-point line, but he can shoot it. He can shoot it. He's, he's proven this year that the thing that it was kind of his calling card coming into the league has somewhat translated. I don't think the Blazers expected to play him very much this year, so just the fact that he's playing alone proves kind of the direction the season has gone. But I think, unlike the guys in the other tier who would just be filler in trades, kind of to make salaries work. Gary Trent Jr. could be at least enticing to some team. Uh he's young, he can shoot, he's six five. He he he's not like a playmaker, but he can handle the ball a little bit. Um he's a real shooting guard, shooting guard size in the league. And I think there's some value in a guy that is has can shoot and isn't six one. Gary Trent Jr. isn't someone people are going to knock on the door down for, but he is a young asset that could a, a team could be specifically interested in, and that alone moves him to ten. Ninth in this same category, the tradable youth, Nazir Little, twenty fifth pick in the draft, also probably wasn't supposed to play this year. Uh, the Blazers wanted him to be a guy who developed in the G League. Now he's maybe their best option as a backup power forward. What a weird year it's been for the old pinwheels, but a really good athlete. Nazir little was a really good athlete in high school. He was a really good athlete in college. He is a really good athlete at the pro level. That athleticism is something that the blazers said they saw right away when he showed up in training camp. Uh, it certainly translates to moments on the floor. He obviously has some limitations, but he's, 66 six. maybe he could develop as, as a standstill jump shooter but he's strong and fast and a leaper he has some skills that you just can't teach he has an nba frame as a teenager makes him an enticing a potentially enticing trade chip i don't think he's super valuable i don't think anyone's um i don't think he he ranks up with we'll see here shortly there's another couple young guys that are much higher on the sort of tradable young young people list but nazir little in the same vein as gary trent could be someone who teams say okay yeah throw in another cheap contract but it has to be little it has to be in a in a sort of a larger trade we're going to want nazir he's the sweetener we want he's we view him as a player who could be a first round level talent. He was projected coming into college as someone who might go in the top five or the top 10 in the NBA draft, obviously fell way down to the Blazers. I think he probably grades out now in that same range as a low first round type player, but a low first round type player with some NBA seasoning, who's proven that they can do some stuff in the NBA, has some trade value. So that's why Nazir Little is number nine on the Blazers list. Come back in the second segment, give you the next few tiers talk more about blazers trades All right, still talking trades. We gave you your first three tiers. Legally can't be traded, salary filler, and tradable youth. This next tier is perhaps the most important one. It is not the most valuable trade chips on the Blazers roster, but it is the most important trade chips on the Blazers roster the big expiring deals at number eight on the blazers trade value countdown kent basemore his 19.3 million dollar expiring contract could be used to acquire someone who makes i don't know roughly 19.3 million dollars give or take the legally allowable mounts on either side of that basemore Before the season started, I predict Kent Bazemore would be a fan favorite 3 and D hustle man. He hasn't really shot the ball that well. His decision making when he has the ball has been kind of nightmarish. And because of the Blazers wonky roster construction, he's asked on a lot of nights to just guard dudes that are bigger than him. Even if they were fully healthy, there might be a lot of nights where six foot five camp Baysmore was asked to guard guys bigger than him. It's not his strength guys about his size. He can use his length. He has, he fouls a little bit too much, but he has good instincts getting in passing lanes, causing deflections, chase down blocks, things like that. He, in a limited role could be valuable. There was a brief period when the Blazers had him in a limited role that made sense coming off the bench when they first signed Carmelo Anthony and had a healthy Rodney Hood, where Kent Bazemore was in a spot that really seemed to fit what he did well. Now, if Bazemore was making $8 million, he would be wildly tradable. He would probably be near the top of this list right behind a certain letter o wearing point guard but 19 million makes him harder to trade now he makes him there is some value that if the blazers if there is a somebody making 20 million bucks that the blazers think they can go get and maybe has a couple years left on his contract that they're willing to take on that money kent Bazemore becomes a valuable trade chip he could help a contending team in a smaller role he's probably not he look he's out he looks outmatched with the Blazers because he's being asked to do probably a little more than he's capable of. Next on the list, yeah, the big name, Hassan Whiteside. A $27 million expiring contract. The league leader in blocks, averaging a career high in points, a career high in field goal percentage, shooting a career best from the free throw line, a legend in the box score. Whiteside, has really specific value if the blazers can find a near max player or a max a max level player that is on the trade market they can do a one-for-one swap swap and send out hassan whiteside portland has all its first round picks moving forward that means they can attach a first round pick to make hassan whiteside and his expiring deal more valuable the expiring part of the deal with no player option gives teams some incentive maybe to pick up White Whiteside. You aren't committing to pay him $27 million for any longer than a couple months, and you'll have his bird rights after the trade allowing you to go over the salary cap to re-sign him. So if there is a team that values White Whiteside, and I'm going to guess that he takes a pretty steep pay cut down from $27 million, Uh... He'll probably make a pretty penny, but I don't think he's making, he's just not going to be a max type player. He's not going to be a a 25 million plus type player in his next contract unless something very surprising happens. So perhaps there's teams that value that. Perhaps there's teams that value just paying a prorated version of an expensive salary for a couple months and having the right to bring him back into the fold at a lower number and still having his bird rights and being able to go over the cap to do so. But there's not that many tra- there's not that gonna be that many names on the market that are making $28 million. Perhaps the Blazers can aggregate a couple a couple guys making and $20 million, $28 million combined. But even then, it's difficult. Whiteside kind of is what he is. He's a guy who grabs rebounds and blocks shots, but doesn't always contribute positively to winning. His offense is pretty limited. Uh, He's not a great pick-and-roll guy, although he can can find himself ways to score in the paint. Not a post-up guy, although he has okay touch around the charge circle. He just is who he is. He's a 30-year-old with strange limitations. But with the right offer, he could net a very big fish. That's why he's number seven on this list. Number six on the list, in the next tier after the big expiring deals is a tier that I am calling people who are Rodney hood. This tier is occupied by one man, Rodney hood. Now, Neil Olshey has said publicly he plans to keep Rodney hood back on the team in 2021. Additionally, Rodney hood signed what amounts to a one-year contract. He has a player option for next season, but, effectively the way it works in the collective bargaining agreement it is a one-year deal meaning that he has a no trade clause uh if you re-sign with your with the team that you were on previously on a one-year deal uh you inherit what is an effective no trade clause it's not built into your contract but you have the right to veto trades so rodney hood can veto trades He's also dealing with an Achilles injury. He'd be tradable in plenty of other scenarios. A scenario where he's healthy, a scenario where the GM hasn't already publicly said he plans to bring him back. A scenario where maybe he had already, he signed a two-year deal, not a one plus one. But weirdly, Rodney Hood is untouchable. He has the right type of contract, uh, these sort of mid-range, he makes $5.7 million, he'll make $6 million next year. Those mid-range contracts are the easiest contracts to move. You can aggregate a couple minimum salaries to get there. You don't have to find big money partners. It's, they're the easiest, most tradable chips. And in addition, Rodney Hood is pretty good at what he's pretty good at he can score. He was having his best shooting season of his career. He can post up smaller guards. Um, he doesn't do a ton else, but the thing that he's good at, he's good at, and there's value in a six foot nine guy who can shoot in, in the NBA and hood, you know, takes some weird post up twos, a lot of pull up, uh, long range shots but he was shooting more threes this season he was making more threes this season he would have real value if things were different but they are not different so he is sixth on the list in the people who are rodney hood tier he is the only person who is rodney hood third segment we'll come back talk about the last five names on the list pretty sure you can name them but when we get back i'll name them myself All right, still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers. We're still doing trade value for the entire roster. We went through the young guys, the expirings, the salary filler, the tradable youth, and the people who are Rodney Hood. The next segment, young, tradable assets who the Blazers don't want to trade. Number five, the Blazers' trade value countdown is Anthony Simons. The 20-year-old second-year guard who shows flashes of really nice shooting touch and unteachable athleticism. The dunk against the Miami Heat comes to mind. The moments where he just, (laughs) he decides to shoot it before he catches it. And as soon as he lets it go, you know it's in the bottom of the net. He has these moments. He's got an okay in-between game. He's shown this sweeping hook a couple times over the last two games. He's He can get to the rim. Kind of a black hole, but also he's 20. He's still learning the league. I think while he doesn't have great playmaking instincts now, it's not too late to give up on that for him. But the Blazers don't want to trade him. If the right deal came along, I think the Blazers could be convinced to trade him, but it seems incredibly unlikely. Neil Olshay called him the best player he's drafted in his 15 years in the league. He called him the best young guard in the NBA before the season started. Neil, if nothing else, is very loyal to his guys. It's why he signed Myers Leonard to that big deal. It's why he's kept Damon CJ around at all costs. It's when he locks into someone and believes in someone. It's why he cleared the decks for Zach Collins to play this year. I'm spoiling a name that comes next on the list, but he, he believes in his guys and he's building this core with the belief that Simons is going to be a part of it as either a third guard next to Damon CJ or this spark off the bench while he's on his rookie contract. And then they'll figure out what comes next for him. Simons. Isn't this, I don't know if Simons has this reputation around the rest of the league where teams would be lining up to trade for him. Uh, I have heard in the past that the Blazers have received um, first round pick offers for him. But, I don't know, I don't know exactly where those picks fall. I just know that, th- that other teams value him, but just maybe not as high as the Blazers do. So. Simons isn't an absolutely undeniably great prospect. He's someone who could be really good, and the Blazers believe is going to be really good. But for that reason, he's he's fifth and not fourth. Fourth is Zach Collins. I know he's injured. There's a chance he doesn't play again this season, but he has shown real production in the league that Anthony Simons hasn't. And just by showing that real production in the league, I think he's more valuable. He can rebound. He's got great defensive instincts for a 21-year-old. Uh, he can shoot a little bit. He's, he's showed shooting touch. He's not. A, he hasn't hit that sort of above-average three-point shooting mark, but he could get there. This was the season he was supposed to put it all together. But what he has shown is real defensive instincts, the type of defense that you can't necessarily teach. And he's mobile and seven feet tall. There is an idea, or this, or there was this idea that the NBA is going small. I don't think that's true at all. I think the NBA is always going to be about being big, but it's going to be big and versatile. And Collins is that type of player. Now, Collins is probably the when the Blazers are making these trade calls, when they're saying, "How do we get, how do we get Lamarcus Aldridge?" The Spurs say, "You give us Zach Collins," and that's. I think the sticking point, not that that's specifically happening, but you, what I'm saying is in these hypothetical situations, when they're chasing a star, a star type an all-star type player, teams are going to be asking about Collins in my mind, more than Anthony Simons. That's why Collins is ahead of him on the list. Collins can really do stuff. Still young. He's the right size. He can play center. He can play a little bit of power forward. He's a modern NBA big. He has real value on the market. It's not going to land you a star, but he could be the right type of young asset that could help you land a star with other parts. Okay, the next tier on the list, untouchable but shouldn't be, occupied by one name, Christian James McCollum. CJ is untouchable. The Blazers aren't going to trade him. Neil has said that He plans to come back with Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, and Yusuf Nurkic for next year's starting group. That means CJ's off off the table. Technically, CJ can't be traded until the end of January anyways, but that doesn't matter. The trade deadlines in February. He could be traded this year if the Blazers really want to make it happen. but CJ is that sort of second tier star that could put a contending type team over the top or maybe teams that need shooting and shot creation could unlock their other stars to be the best versions of themselves he's not a one he's not an, he's not an ace guy i don't think he could lead the team as a as a true First option every single night. In fact, I think on the absolute best version of C- CJ's usage, he would be a third star. In some ways, that's what the Blazers had built with Yusuf Nurkic as pretty clearly the team's second best player all of last season until he got hurt. But there are moments, like he showed in the playoffs, where he can just go score, and that value is incredibly high. I think teams maybe in the regular season don't need it as much, but CJ showed that. His ability to be harder to scout because he can just score and make tough shots consistently has real value in that sort of postseason hyper scouting report type of basketball. The Blazers aren't going to trade CJ McCollum. And if they trade seasonal column, they're not bringing back a star. They're bringing back something similar. That sort of second tier of non-All-Stars who are pretty darn good and get paid max contracts because they're Chris Middleton, but aren't exactly franchise players and couldn't be. That's why CJ's third on the list. There's two two more names in the final tier. That final tier is what I'm calling actually, rightfully, untouchable. The first name on that list is Yusuf Nurkic. He's just really good. He's on an extremely reasonable contract. Still has two years left and $25 million, making about $12 million a year over the final two years of this deal after this one, when he's assuming he comes back fully healthy, even if assuming fully healthy is next October. I think he was one of the top 30 players in the NBA. You're paying him about half as much as a max contract, even less than that, 40% of a max contract. He, Yusuf Nurkic could net you. That's in sort of just the trade value land where we are. Yusuf Nurkic could bring back a real star because Yusuf Nurkic is close to being a real star. He is that good. Obviously, there's some uncertainty now with his with his health status and those things, but the Blazers aren't going to trade him. He's part of the core, part of the future, part of what this roster is going to be. But in the trade chip world, not a lot better than a 25-year-old on a cheap deal who's shown he can be productive at a really high level. So that leaves us, leaves us with number one. The most valuable trade chip on the Blazers roster? Damian, Lamont, Ollie, Lillard. He's one of the 10 best players in the NBA. A franchise-changing piece. And yet, part of his brand is wanting to stay with the Blazers forever regardless. And that's almost certainly how this plays out. It is hard to trade top 10 guys in the league. The Bulls traded Jimmy Butler when he was a borderline top 10 guy in the league and didn't get back quite enough value to help them. The Pelicans traded Anthony Davis, one of the top five best players in the league, and got back kind of just enough value to be a mediocre team, but not at least immediately star-level pieces. Trading the Thunder Trading Way, Paul George netted them a ton of trade, a ton, a ton of draft picks. And Shea gillis Alexander, who looks like he's going to be a very good player. But they're probably three or four years away from being back. Like they're going to make the playoffs this year, probably, but they're three or four years away from being back to being among the contenders, if they can even get there. It's just. In theory, Damian Lillard nets you a player, a top 10 type player. In practice, it's much harder. But if you're just talking about trade value, what you could ask for. You could ask for the bundle that Paul George got you. Five picks and a young, a young budding star. You could ask for the bundle that Anthony Davis got New Orleans. Four useful young rotation pieces and a couple picks. In theory, you could ask for what Jamie Butler got Chicago, but you'd hope to get more than that. Lowered is your top trade piece. You've got some other options, as I enumerated in this list. Blazers have about a month to make trades. I laid out the valuable pieces. We'll see what they do with them. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.